0: Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council.
1: Basta Mai and welcome to Spotlight. I'm Sarah Hendy and on the programme this week we have part two of our chat with textile conservator Jacqueline Hyman, music from Little Thief and we visit the Cabinet of Curiosities housing a stunning collection of Archibald Knox works at the Manx Museum. me via spotlight at manxradio.com if you have any creative happenings you'd like to tell us about and you'll find links listen again and our podcast on the manx radio website first this blustery afternoon we have part two of our conversation with textile conservator jacqueline hyman who has been working hard at restoring manx national heritage's collection of napoleonic military uniforms When you decided that um, textile conservation was for you, did you fall in love with the processes and the the medium itself, the textiles and the feel of it between your fingers, or were you inspired by the stories and the history and the structure of each each item that you had to work on? Funny enough, Sarah,
2: it's a mixture of all of that. Oh, that's perfect, isn't it? Every item that comes into the studio has got a story behind it. It's been somebody's treasured item. You know, even I have ordinary members of the public will come in with something and it may belong to their grandmother and it may be the only thing they have of their grandmothers and it's so precious to them so you want to really take great care over that item and it doesn't matter how old something is you know it could be a couple of thousand years old of which we've worked with egyptian things and things pieces like that or it may only be a hundred years old it still needs that careful care and attention so there's all that part behind it but I'm I'm very I'm a very tactile person. I, I know we don't like to handle textiles because natural oils and greases on our hands cause problems. But just feeling old fabric, it's it's something that you just touch it and you just know straight away there's age there. Um, not everybody feels it. And when I was a little girl, I used to always help at scout jumble sales and going through all the fabrics, I could just feel the silk items and just pull them out and say, Oh, here's a nice silk thing. We should. You know, charge a bit more for this and you know, they used to say it's amazing watching you Jackie because you're just pulling out all the cashmere jumpers <laughs> because I could feel the different textures in the fibres and the process is you do what's safe for the item but I get my greatest thrill is when I've managed to put something back together that really somebody well most some of people say to me Oh, it's only fit for the bin and you've brought it back to life and it can carry on its life and bring enjoyment to people
1: well, that's very worthy work. And um, and just out of curiosity, I mean, we talk about these items which have kind of become family heirlooms. Are there any modern pieces, any contemporary pieces, um, perhaps by a prolific designer, which people have from, I don't know, that are maybe only sort of 30 years old or something or even
2: newer? A lot of people have, people have got pieces. Um, you know, even just going back to the 70s, Bieber, you know, the fashion designer Bieber was on the on sort of the high street almost up in London. Um, you, know, you could go and buy a Bieber skirt or something. though so at quite a reasonable price, a lot of the top designers, um, you could say, are well out of our, our price range. But if something is made with a good quality fabric, it's got a good design about it, and it's been well made, they're things that people should keep because they will become the collectible garments of the future if you go well, there's not very many costume museums left now but even if you go around some of the costume museums there's one in manchester um the gallery of english costume they are collecting contemporary pieces now so they will become part of their collection for the future and it's so it's amazing how quickly the years go by and you can go to the museum and i look at things and think gosh i wore those when i was a teenager you know designs the shapes and things like that and the style of fabrics and colors so it's it's surprising how quickly things can become very collectible so but it's always good quality you know the the cheap high street things they they're there for on and off although they are still part of our, our textile heritage in that respect, but a lot of the fashion, um, fashionable fabrics for curtains and stuff like that—they all are going to become collectible one day. It's, it'd be nice if we all had that sort of little um, look into the future and say, "Yes, that's going to be the one everybody is going to want to look at in the future." But uh, sorry, I don't have that. <laughs> Um, But
1: perhaps what we could ask you is um, if you have, Mm. I don't know, maybe just one tip um, that you can give us. If we do have something that feels very precious and is is well made and we'd love to last, how can we treat our textiles to make sure that we are doing our best by them?
2: The best thing you can do is to make sure they're protected. If they're wool, they're protected from moth because moths are an absolute scourge nowadays because of the change in in our climatic temperatures and we all live in centrally heated houses, people don't do the same basically good housekeeping that we used to do. In years gone by, everybody would empty out their cupboards. I say years gone by, I'm going back to our sort of grandparents' time. People would empty out their cupboards, everything would get cleaned and checked and everything. We don't do that nowadays nowadays. So if you've got something, even if you, you think, oh, it's lovely, I'm going to put it at the back of the cupboard and keep it all packed up and forget about it, that is then going to be the best environment for a moth because it's dark, it's warm, and if you perhaps didn't clean it properly, perhaps you had your your best dress and you'd worn it somewhere and you got a little splash of white wine on it and you didn't know it was there, that, that sugary substance, substance, that's food for a moth. And that's where they always come and chew our best items, right in the centre front or on the cuffs and things like that. It's where there's been a little splash of something, and that's food. So you need to keep an eye. You need to check things and make sure that the environment that the item is being stored in is correct. Um, In the museums, we use a lot of Tyvek these days, and we have Tyvek bags, costume bags, which have zips on them, so that everything can be protected within. And so as long as it goes into that Tyvek bag, which is both breathable, pest-proof, and also waterproof then you've got a perfect environment for it to live in and it's going to be fine for the future. But if you've got just things packed in the back of the cupboard, do not put them in a plastic bag. That is by far the worst. Don't hang things on metal coat hangers because they dig into the shoulders. You need a a padded coat hanger. If you can't afford a Tyvek cover, then at least put a piece of cotton sheeting, white cotton sheeting over something and roll it up. Rolling textiles is always a good way if you can't put them into a box, something like that. But keep an eye on the item and check it periodically just to make sure it is okay. And if it's got creased, then refold it, pack it, so that padding out the creases with tissue paper, but make sure any other new fold lines might be in a slightly different position so they're not always in the same place. But mm. enjoy your items. That's the most important. Yes. And then look after them well for the next generation.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. And we'll be able to enjoy um, the Manx Museum, Manx National Heritage's collection of Napoleonic military uniforms uh, worn by soldiers from the Isle of Man and find out more about how you've been taking care of them on the 30th of November.
2: 30th of November and the talk starts at 7 o'clock. So be there at 6.30 if you want a seat. And I'll be coming along to show lots of photographs of all the different treatments as we've worked uh, worked through the items. But I'm also going to bring along handling samples because people can't handle the uniforms. But the same manufacturers of the fabrics that made those uniforms are still in existence today. So I've got samples of all the fabrics that people can feel and it's funny even today they still call them, call the fabrics the same colour, you know, Royal Navy Blue or it's Infantry Red or Infantry Green, you know, they're still made and the colours are still the same so, wow. which was brilliant for me for being able to repair the uniform so uh, I think I don't think I think people would be quite surprised to think that they were covered in moth holes, but uh, you can't see them now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well done to you, and thank you for your hard work in um, helping to preserve our our own heritage, our own um, artifacts. So, thank you. It's been thank- a privilege. Oh, well, I've enjoyed thank you. It.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope plenty of people come along to see the exhibition, because it's there permanently now within the Manx Museum, and and enjoy, enjoy your talk. And if they've got questions they want to ask of their own items, I'm happy to do all that on the evening as well.
1: Wow. Oh, that is a treat. For tickets to Jacqueline's talk on Friday night at 7, head to the Spotlight blog or Manx National Heritage's
0: website. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council.
1: And if you're looking for something else fun to do this weekend, Dark Horse are taking over the basement bar below Just Pizza Pasta with Bristol-based alt rock act Little Thief headlining the night, and support from No One Died, Terence George, and the Blair House Project. The event starts at 8 on Friday night and runs until 3 o'clock on Saturday morning. You can find tickets on Facebook or via the Spotlight blog, of course, at manxradio.com. But for now, here's Little Thief with Freak.
0: Fire in the sky, she came over early. The full moon in her eye. I knew that she was troubled. by the Isle of Man Arts Council.
1: And we're now going to take a visit to the Manx Museum's Cabinet of Curiosities, which, for the next couple of months, will be housing a stunning array of works by Archibald Knox, curated by the Archibald Knox Forum. I spoke to Manx National Heritage's curator for Social History, Yvonne Cresswell, about this fabulous collection. Yvonne, the, the exhibition is entitled Artist, Designer, Teacher... These are three really distinct strands of Knox's life, but he might not always be recognised as each of those things by everyone.
0: Well, I think what's fascinating is that um, for most of the world, he's known for his metal work and the work he did for Liberty. So, you know, that's what everybody knows about. If, on the other hand, you live on the Isle of Man... Yes, you might know about the metalwork, but you're probably much more interested and know far more about the watercolours. And in the art gallery, we always have um, the beautiful Manx landscapes by Archie Knox. Um, for people at the time, the people living on the Isle of Man during the 1920s, um, you'd have known Mr Knox because, A, you may have been taught by him at the High School or Douglas School of Art, or um, your children might be being taught by him but probably more likely because he did the graphic designs for various books and I mean like uh, Barons the Grosses in Douglas he actually did the illustrations, the graphic designs for their checks so they will have known him as a teacher and as a commercial designer and the person who used to do The programme covers for various events at places like Peel Castle or um, places like that. So it's interesting that at different times and in different places, people have known um, Archibald Knox for quite different reasons. And um, we're now in this wonderful sort of place where we can actually see all the different aspects of Knox's um, artistic life. So in the art gallery we've got various examples of his work and now um, until January 13 we've got this amazing display of silver and pewterware that um, Knox and also um, gold jewellery that um, Knox designed for Liberty. So it's an amazing opportunity to sort of see all the various aspects of Knox. And his work
1: yes it's something that i realized when i first came in to to see the cabinet of curiosities that it it contains work that i've only ever seen in books before they're things that i haven't seen displayed on the island before you do have quite a unique collection of work that the archibald Knox forum have managed to borrow from private collections
0: yeah i mean this is um, a wonderful opportunity to see such a wide variety of different examples of the work um, from the clocks and the jewellery to sort of um, smaller pieces I mean we have items in the National Art Collection um, but these give you an even sort of bigger sort of range and idea of the type of work that Knox uh, produced all in a sense inspired by his love of the carved crosses on the Isle of Man. So, you know, that sort of lifelong fascination with the Manx crosses sort of finds its kind of sort of pinnacle in Knox's sort of silverware and pewterware um, designs and this beautiful flowing interlace. Um, So, you know, Knox really did bring these sort of a Celtic revival, sort of a visual aesthetic, to an international audience Mm -hmm. in the 1900s. And it's a sort of a visual aesthetic that we're still in love with and fascinated with in 2018. So this is an amazing opportunity to just see that variety of work. Mm
1: it's also inspiring to understand the the values behind his work and the reasons that he uses Celtic not work and takes inspiration from Celtic and Norse crosses it's not purely from an aesthetic viewpoint that he found these inspiring I mean certain quotes that I've read on on your display here um art is in everything if we choose to put it there and aim at order, hope for beauty. I mean, that's perfectly expressed in every piece of work we can see here. And it's very it's very connected to sort of the arts and crafts movement, the appreciation of beautiful things. William Morris, who said, um,
0: have nothing in your life unless you know it to be useful or believe it to be beautiful. Well, I think, I mean, sort of back at the millennium, um, sort of 1999, 2000, I had the great privilege of curating two back-to-back exhibitions of Archibald uh, Knox's work and it was entitled The Man Behind the Art and in that exhibition like with the exhibition that's been put on now by the Archibald Knox Forum it was the idea of Knox as a teacher Knox as an artist Knox as a designer and what fascinated me was the more that I looked at his work the more I studied his life the more of an enigma Knox Became, um, he he leaves these wonderful sort of quotes about sort of how you should uh, approach art, and um, I don't think with Knox anything was about the superficial. And um, I mean, the thing that I absolutely adore and I find the most fascinating is his great work, the Deer's Cry, and that wasn't done for commission. It wasn't done. Um, to be displayed it was wasn't going to be sold it was basically it was just purely a work that he did for himself and given sort of all the work he's doing as a teacher and as a designer and as an artist um, you're left sort of thinking this isn't a gentleman who has that much spare time but from before the First World War up until his death in 1933 um, for himself, he was actually um, creating these pages of beautiful designs. Each page is a line from the Dear's cry. Um, It's a prayer, St. Patrick's breastplate, what's called a a lorica, a prayer of protection. And when you look at each page and each beautiful design, um, because he was a spiritual man, he was a man of faith, he attended St. Matthew's Church, it feels like... It's an act of prayer meditation in the creation of each page and then the page itself. Um, But what's fascinating when you look at the pages from the Deer's Cry is how long it takes you to try and decipher each line of the prayer. So none of it's a sort of a superficial thing that you can just flick through and... um, instantly in a sense get you have to spend time with it you have to study it and you sort of have to almost sort of immerse yourself in it and i think particularly with his calligraphy and his intricate interlace it is about that sort of immersing yourself in it and as i say it's not superficial it's not something that is kind of the latest fad the latest fashion it's something that's very absorbing, and I think that that's what Knox wanted. He wanted to have some to produce things that had depth to them, had value, had beauty. And I'm sure he would have said, you know, you can't sort of achieve perfection, but what you can do is just by constant repetition, constant reworking, you can get glimpses of that. and you see this in his watercolours where he would actually spend apparently six or more hours sat on a hedge bank waiting for the clouds and the light to be just right and then in an hour, two hours, he would produce these amazing watercolour paintings of the Manx countryside equally well with the Deer's Cry um, pages. The time taken to do the initial uh, pencil sketches and then to just carry on the design and work up these final sort of watercolour pages. And in the last brushstroke, because watercolour is an unforgiving medium, he could have made a mistake and ruined the whole page. And we know that he did (laughs) put many of these pages in the bin. So, and a lot of the pages in the final um, manuscript are double-sided, so you suddenly think he could spend hours, weeks working on a page and then something happened and it would just be discarded, a fresh piece of paper and start again. And an impression I get is that um, as a designer, as a commercial designer, Normally, if a job is worth, let's say, £100 and another job's worth £1,000, you put ten times more time and effort into the job that's worth £1,000 because the effort you put in is in relation to what you're going to get out of it. With Knox, the impression seems to be it doesn't matter how minor something is or how unimportant, you give it 100% and I just find that sort of fascinating, that everything he did was to the best of his ability. I think that's where his work has lasted, because there is a depth to it and a beauty, and he has invested so much of himself into that work.
1: Every single piece is a masterpiece. Like you say, it doesn't look like anything kind of got second-rate attention. Working through that rather difficult time on the
0: deers cry of um, world war one he was a censor wasn't he during world war I was one a censor at Nikalo camp and apparently when he first started uh, well he'd been working on it for a while and he, it wasn't it wasn't sort of coming to him and he wasn't happy with what he produced and a friend sent him a newly published edition of the book of cows and it was the first time the Book of Kells had actually been published with illustrations. And prior to that, you would have had to have gone to Dublin to look at the Book of Kells in person. And apparently, when um, Knox received this book and he was looking at the illustrations of the Book of Kells, suddenly it was like, okay, I, yes. He'd found his inspiration, and he knew what he wanted to achieve. So it's almost as though he'd been working on it, but things weren't coming together, because he hadn't captured what it was that he wanted to achieve with the deer's cry. And then when he saw the inspiration um, from the Book of Cows, it was like, yes, now I know what I want to achieve. There are also a number of talks about the artefacts
1: and Knox's work The Deer's Cry, something which we'll be talking to Yvonne more about next week. Talks will be taking place at various times between now and the end of the exhibition, which is the 26th of January. And I'm afraid that's all we have time for this week. Join me again next Wednesday at half past five. But in the meantime, you can listen again on demand or via our podcast, which is available on the Manx Radio website. Have a lovely creative week. Slen you.